Welcome to Jewish Women Talk About Midlife. Hi, I'm Devara Krasniansky, and I've been coaching women for a long time in all areas of life, including women in midlife. Midlife is an exciting time, but it's also sometimes confusing, and so I invite experts to join me here as we unpack this crazy and interesting time of our lives. You can join our conversation on our Facebook group, Jewish Women Talk About Midlife. And in this episode, I spoke with Dr. Jackie Schiff, a clinical psychologist about the power of healing visualization. Guided imagery and healing visualizations are powerful tools to help us get to the core of who we really are. It can help us untangle the emotions around painful memories so we can feel lighter. It can also help us get unstuck and help us clarify what it is we really want to be doing. Another fascinating conversation. Enjoy. Good morning, Jackie, Dr. Jackie Schiff. I'm so excited about this topic because I'm really have a lot to learn when we talked about healing visualizations, guided imagery. But before we even get into this topic, let me hear a little bit about what you do in this whole topic and what you do in general, because it sounds fascinating. I'm trained originally as a clinical psychologist. I trained at Yeshiva. I won't tell you exactly how long ago I completed the doctorate, but let's say more than 25 years. And that was how I worked for quite a while. And then I, I kind of began to understand that there was a lot more to this work as a psychologist, but there was really healing that was needed. And also that I wanted to be able to work a bit more quickly. Life is short and we have to live. So I began to try to understand what else was possible. And without getting into too many personal details, but I had Lyme disease and it was before it was known, before they knew how to diagnose, before the titers, it was very, very early on. And through the process of healing from the Lyme disease, I came across um, Dr. Epstein, Gerald Epstein's work on healing visualizations and mental imagery. And so I, I was reading his, one of his books and I called his office and found out that that coming weekend was his once a year weekend workshop for how to integrate healing visualizations into your clinical practice. And so I turned to my husband and I'm like, can you take the kids? Because I must go to this. And, and that was the beginning of the journey. And through that, I healed from the Lyme disease and from other, other kinds of things along the way. And it just changed the, the direction of my life. And I was literally sitting in my car and thinking, you know, like, what, what now? What now? And I just kept saying to myself, you have to choose life. And then I came across Jerry's book and came across him and it all just kind of lined up in that way, which is what happens when we allow ourselves to be in the flow, in the flow of the Shefa from above, right? And when we step out, we feel lost. And when we step in, we feel whole. And that's really what this work is about. Healing visualizations are a way for us to step inside. And the essential element of this work is really to be able to look inside, to find a space of seeing within. It's a place where we open our awareness, where we can repair, where we can heal, and where we can find ourselves and connect to our inner truth and who we are. Now we're gonna to get to the how in a moment, but first I wanna describe more about what happens. And really what we're doing is we learn to step inside. You know, Hashem's first conversation with Avram was lech lecha. Two, two words, same word, right? And what does that mean? It means go, go, go inside. 
first, before we go anywhere else, and before we start listening to everyone else, the, our land, our homeland, our fathers, everything that we learned from before, before we take a step forward, we have to take a step in. Because in is where we live. In, in is where our Salam Elohim is, that we were made in the image and likeness of God. So first we have to go in. When we go in, we have the ability to release from ourselves the difficulties, the hardships, the burdens, the ego, the anxieties of the future, the guilt and resentment, anger over the past. And we can come and just be with ourselves and be in alignment. And so this is a place where there are new possibilities. You know, we often can feel stuck, especially, you know, I know your podcast is, is about women in midlife. And we can feel stuck because we've had our sort of earlier life. If we've had children, we've worked hard in the home, and maybe we didn't have the mind space or the time or the finances or whatever it was to explore who we were because we were too busy listening to the pull of, of someone pulling on our, on our shirt. But now we have the possibility to open up to something new. And so what imagery allows us to do, among many other things, but it allows us to see what's possible within me what who am i what's my value what's my purpose what's my meaning what do i want to do from here and suddenly we have an, a new possibility and so it's a very exciting and optimistic and hopeful work because it shows us all of these possibilities and we suddenly have choice and we can choose something new Wow. So we've talked about from healing and you, you healed yourself from Lyme disease with this. And I'm sure that's a fascinating conversation, but let's narrow it into midlife and people, like you said, people are stuck or they're trying to figure out the next step because mm -hmm. like, life is changing in midlife for many people. Mm -hmm. And how can we do that? So let's talk a little bit more to that end of how we can use healing, uh, healing visualizations for that. But first, you said before there's something about imagery and visualizations. Are they the same thing? So guided visualizations are, are important and they're useful, but it's really the, it's like the tip of the iceberg. Guided visualizations are used mainly to help people quiet themselves, to feel calmer, to find safe space. And these are very important, but it's just the tip of the iceberg. With healing visualizations, we go inside, we clean what's in the way, all the muck, the fog, the, the mental fog, the memories that are in the way, the hurts. We clear all those things away as much as we can and as much as the person will allow and be ready for, because we can never push anybody to go where they're not ready, right? But we clear and we clean and we, and then we go inside and we repair. So we can repair when you say, well, what can, how can we apply this to the midlife time? So there's a lot of hurt that we've lived through by the time we get to this stage in life and difficulties. And we can either hold on to them and then that history guides our future. It just lays, we keep holding it and it lays the path forward for us. But if we can learn to release it, then we have a new path in front of us. And so it's the releasing of those hurts that allows us the new possibility. You know, our memories are memories and then emotions, and they're intertwined. And it's not the memory so much that makes it difficult for us as it is the emotion that's intertwined with the memory. So the memories will be there. 
but we can learn to untangle, detangle the emotions. And then the memory can be more neutral. It doesn't have to have such a hold on us. And if it doesn't have a hold, then we can take a sigh of relief and I can finally feel some air inside. And you know, when I feel air, then I feel more able. I literally have more oxygen and I am more able. So it's not just a physical experience, but it's an emotional new place that I can live in, which gives me the possibility of having more awareness and more sight in sight, right? Sight that goes inward. I can be more connected to my intuition and more connected to who I am. And that's at every stage. If I'm more connected to who I truly am, I can break free from those binds that hold us. You know, Pesach is around the corner and, and it's all about Meitzarim. It's all about the, the holding to get the holding of the narrow straits. And we want to open up to new possibilities. And especially when we're in midlife time, this is an amazing opportunity. And although it can feel very uncertain, actually it's in the uncertainty that the opportunity lies. That's exactly in the same place that's where the possibility is. And that's what the imagery allows us to do is to see something new. And I think you were asking, a little, go ahead. So intrigued now, so what can we do? How does that work? Does it work on like memory by memory? Let's, let's try to unpack this a little bit. Okay. So first of all, this is one of those things that is really, it's experiential. Once you experience it, you understand it. It's the same, you know, if I try to describe to you the, the, the beauty of smelling a rose, right? Until you smell the rose, you're not really going to understand it fully. But I'll do my best to try to be descriptive. So what we do is we plunge inside. We plunge into that place that's deep within us. And it starts with some breath work, but it's not meditation where in meditation you sit for a long time, you know, maybe 20 minutes minimum, and you, you try to quiet and quiet and quiet yourself. And that's, it's, there's some similarity, we won't get into all those differences, there's some similarity to um, guided imagery, guided visualizations, in that you're going to quiet yourself. But in this work, you're going to go inside and see what the memories are and you can learn how to clear them. That's not really something that I can explain how you do it. It's, it's really something that you just need to experience. But we clean, it's like if you clean anything else. If, if you clean the mirror, then you, you can see what you can see. Right. And so it starts with a little bit of breath work, which quiets us and allows us to turn inward. And then maybe we have to face some things that are difficult, but we never have to face what's too difficult for us to face because our defenses will not allow it. So we're always safe. We're always safe and we're always conscious and we're always alert. You can open your eyes at any time. And there's three different kinds of uh, work that we do. One is short exercises, which are meant to bring us inside to that quiet place and to explore everyday problems and challenges. Whatever you can imagine, I'm upset with my husband, I'm upset with my child, I'm upset with somebody at work, the cashier was rude to me today, you know, really everyday things, but they kind of like really bother you, right? So it helps, we can address these ways in short exercises that are, that are also diagnostic. So when we look inside, 
we can see what's going on, and then we can learn how to help. So it's very quick. It doesn't take, you know, a long time for assessment. We can do it quickly within seconds sometimes. So that's what I mean by quick. You know, it could take 60 seconds, 120 seconds, and we can learn a lot about what the central things are that are going on and to try to help a person through the imagery work. Imagery work, when I say that, is about looking inside and you see images. Generally, it's visual. For 90, 95% of people, it's visual. But some people have it auditory. Some people even have smell. It's not so common, but it, it happens. And so there are different ways to do it. You see, our senses, our five senses, they give us information. They inform us. We go inside and we make a form from all the senses that we use. And those are the pictures that we see inside. The pictures are also, um, uh, they emerge from our soul right? They emerge from very, very deep places. And that's why this work is so profound, is because it touches us on such a deep place. And they can be as vivid as any kind of experience. So that's the first kind of work that we do, is these short exercises. Then we have longer waking dream exercises, which are, uh, they involve a deep descent, a deep dive, a deep plunge into the self, where you gather up wholeness and peace and understand different parts of yourself by going really deep, maybe through old memories, even through past lives. And we go deep and we clear up these things. And if they're in the subconscious, we can clear them up and then ascend back up to ourself, feeling lighter, feeling more whole, feeling more at ease, feeling remembered, that we remember ourselves, right? The word remember is to remember. These are our members, right? Our arms, our legs are the different parts of ourselves. And when we pull ourselves back together, meaning these memories that we've sort of tried not to pay attention to because they were too painful. But if we bring ourselves back together, we feel more whole. And then the last kind of imagery we work is through dreams. So I work with many people on their dreams and through the dreams, some of them are anxiety dreams and they show us how anxious we are because we haven't dealt with our anxiety during the day. We try to ignore it. And some of our dreams are very, very powerful messages that come from very deep inside. And they give us information about what changes we can make in our lives to make our lives better, what we can do differently in order to find our path, and how we step onto our clear path, which gives us a way forward. And so these are the three different kinds. We have the short imagery, we have long waking dreams, and we have looking at the nighttime dreams. And imagery work is on a, is on a, a, a scale of imagery all the way to nighttime dreams. It's all the same kind of experience. It's just sometimes we're more conscious than other times. Wow. Does that help? And a yeah. bit? Yes, it explains what it is. Let's talk about like something for midlife. Like someone's looking to figure out what's next steps for them. Like they, the work that they were doing, whether the it wasn't fulfilling or they just want to change because they just want to be in another place. So would visualization or imagery work for that? Absolutely. 
absolutely. We'd have to look inside and see what what's going on that they feel stuck. We, I mean, imagery we use very, very often. I mean, I, every single day I use imagery with people to see what's causing them to be stuck. What's the challenge? What's the blockage? Is it emotional? Is it physical? Is it spiritual? On what level is the blockage? Maybe it's on all levels. Let's see what that blockage is, clear it away, and then we see the path that's before them. And it's going to be a lighter path because now we've gotten rid of, you know, all, all that's been in the way. It's like when you polish silver, you know, you pick up this beautiful, these beautiful candlesticks, but they haven't been polished in God knows how long since last Rosh Hashanah hasn't been polished. And then you're like, well, I, I don't really want to use these. And actually, I don't really know how to use these because they're not befitting. And then I take them and I polish them or I get them polished by a real expert and they come back and they're just magnificent and I can't wait to light them. The same is true of our inner selves. Sometimes it just needs some polishing. And then once it's polished, I can see the beauty inside myself. And then I can find, it's like looking in a clear mirror, I can find what's really there for me and what choices I can make. I work with many people who've changed careers or who've been home with kids, you know, for 20 years. And then they say, you know, I was always interested in, you know, art, or I was always interested in music, or I always had a passion for writing, but I sit down and I try to do any of these things and I can't do it. I just get stuck. I know I want to, I have this idea, but I can't, I can't find my way to do it. So the imagery work can help people to clear the path so they can begin to take action and they can begin to feel strength and positivity and optimism and the possibility that this is something I could do. Now, some people don't even have any idea at all what they want to do. And so then we look at that. We start with everybody exactly where they are. If I don't know what I want, then we see what's that block. If I have an inkling, then we see how do we clean that up so that it's more clear to you so that you can begin to take some steps to go in that direction and try it out. And you may find that that's not exactly what it was, but it was kind of a, on the way. And you may find that, oh my God, that is exactly what I wanted to do. I always wanted to, you know, work in a museum and, and be a curator and I never realized. And that's why I did art history in college so many years ago, you know? So is this something that someone can start to think about on their own or is it really something that can only be done with a professional like yourself? You know, would you go into the Amazon desert, to the jungle? Would you go into the jungle on your own or are you going to take a guide? Right. You're going to take a guide. It's very hard for us to go and do these things on our own. You know, we need someone to help us to hold our hands through the process, to give us the strength until we have the strength to do it on, on our own. So I studied for many years. I studied this work before I, you know, felt like I could be a teacher and I could be a master in this study. And of course, now I do this on my own. But like anything else, you need to learn. You need to learn. The wonderful thing about this work is that our goal is to help people to live their lives, not to live in the therapy room, but to live in life and to be able to do things on their own. So how long does this process of finding yourself, let's say the, the question they come in with is, what do I do next in my life? So what would be the process 
And at first, like, do you do this on Zoom or is this only in person because you're in Israel? Yeah, I'm in Israel. I've been working on online. It wasn't Zoom because we didn't have Zoom, but I've been working on Skype and Zoom for about 10 years. So I work with people in person on Zoom. Very often people will come to visit in Israel and then we get to meet in person as well, which is beautiful. Um, and so we can work either way. And, and it's really interesting to me that you can see different things when you're working with somebody in person and when you're working with them on Zoom. It's just a different experience. I don't find that one is better than the other, which is surprising, but, uh, but not anymore after all this time. And how long does it take? The answer is it depends. I've worked with some people, they came for two sessions and then they were off and running. And other people I've worked, you know, I worked with them for, you know, much longer than that. Also, if people have been to more traditional therapy, then that gives them a leg up because they've already done some of the clearing and this is a next step. So there, there isn't, a, it's not, you know, we're human beings. It's not an exact science, but I always work to get people to be able to move as quickly as they're able to. So that's, a, so we talked a little about midlife and trying to figure out the next step, which is saying that you can help someone get unstuck, but we can't really do this so much on our own, even though it really needs like the whole process is what I'm understanding. Yes. Similarly with the say, a midlife, some, someone may have some family issues, whether it's their children or their spouse, it's the same kind of thing, this, the stuckness they can go through, in, in, go inside to find out what's going on and to unstuck themselves. Right. And when we say go inside, you know, we, we, we've all grown up in Western society where logic is paramount, right? We use our left brain and logic is, is the way that we do things, right? Science is the way that we do things. But we've forgotten in our world that we actually have the right side too. We have the creative side, we have the flow side. And you know, the right and left side of the brain are on a horizontal plane and they're of equal value, firing together, neurons firing together, wiring together. And so we need to be able to use the right and the left side together. And this is not something that we know how to do. We're used to thinking about things. We're used to figuring things out. Right? We're used to going around in circles and circles and circles trying to figure it out. But that's all up here. We have to drop inside and learn to use the two sides of the brain together. So this is something new that people aren't used to. It's not about using the intellect, although it is about using wisdom and inner wisdom. And we want to weave those two types of intelligence together. And so that's done through this visualization, uh, like guide. It has like guided with somebody else because mm -hmm. just asking ourselves a question or journaling won't get us there. No, asking ourselves a question is not going to just get us there because first of all, you need to know what the right question is. You may think the question is, well, what's next? What do I want to do next? And that's part of the question, but there are deeper, earlier questions that are more core that we have to address first. And that's why when I keep asking myself, well, what do I want to do next? And I don't get much further, doesn't get us there because there's a lot that's much deeper that we don't understand that's in the way, that's blocking us. And so we can't do that on our own until we learn how. We have to learn how. This is a whole new language that we're talking about. That's why it's so fascinating because it's, it's different than what we've grown up on.
It's a whole different way of thinking. And it comes from Torah, it comes from the depths of Torah. There's a, a deep lineage of this all the way back to Isaac the Blind, all the way back. And we're bringing it forward now into time, but it's been taught from person to person, generation to generation. And that's what I'm here for, is to teach it again, to fulfill it and bring it into our community and teach it further and further so that it, it continues. Because we desperately need it, because just working on the logical side, we get stuck. And that's part of what happened. That's part of the message, as I see it, of COVID, is that it's the first time in history since Noah, since the flood, right? It's the first time in history where we've had to go inside to our own personal teva, our own personal ark. We had to be home and we had to be ensconced. And we had the opportunity to look inside and say, oh my God, look at all this uncertainty, all this life that we used to rely on is now completely changed right? I can't rely on that infrastructure anymore. The only thing I know is what I have right here, right now. And I can look inside and find the way forward. And that's what we do, is we have to look inside. There's so much input, so much information on the outside with social media and everything, you know, the news and a million emails every day and also anything you want, you can look it up. And we're bombarded with information from the outside. But actually, in order to find out who we are, we have to look on the inside. And that's what this work teaches us, is to quiet all the anxiety, all the outside noise, and go inside and see what's there for us. See who you really are. And that's only by going inside. So how is this different from, like, talk therapy? Like um, it's, it's very different from talk therapy. Of course we talk. <laughs> right because we that's that's who we are we're humans we need to speak but we use language in a very very different way and you use language first of all when people speak I'm, I'm listening for their images i'm listening for if they say they're stuck what are the images what's happening mm -hmm. somebody's talking about anxiety i'm listening for the images i remember the very first patient i had where i used imagery was uh in 2005 and she came in, she was very anxious. So we looked inside to see what was her image of anxiety. And it was a very simple thing. It was, remember those uh, rubber band balls where you make rubber, you make a ball out of right. really rubber bands? Right. I don't know if you ever did that, but my kids always did that. And so that was her image of anxiety. And so she learned how to get rid of that. And then she was, she was on the, what was that medication called? It was the, advertised as the purple pill. I think it was Nexium. It was for anxiety and like reflux and things. And so she started going back. She started feeling better and better. And she went to her doctor and he checked her out. And he said to her over time, you can lower the medication. And then after about six or seven weeks, he told her she could go off of it because she had relieved herself of that anxiety. So we learn what's, what's your image of your challenge and then how to repair it and hopefully we can find a way to do that inside and so you don't need things from the outside and you begin to expand that idea of awareness inside yourself that connection to your intuition and you begin to learn what you need and over time then people can do imagery on, on their own and that's the beauty of it and there's also small bits of homework that take about two minutes a day that you do in between. 
-hmm. So we'll do a bit of talking because I need to hear from the person what, what's, what's their understanding of what they're going through. I'll listen to what they're saying. I'll hear the words. I'll hear where it feels right to me that we need to go in through the image. We'll do imagery. And then often, but not always, they'll have a little bit of homework to do in between. And imagery, we generally will do the same imagery for one or a few cycles of 21 days. So the person will, will get up usually in the morning and do a quick imagery, two minutes tops, um, and kind of remind themselves, have that jolt of memory of what they learned, the healing piece that they learned in the in the imagery that we did in the session. Um, so there, it's different in that there's also these little moments along the week where you have to touch base with yourself, basically. Touch base with that. It's like, um, it's like when you light a match, you have the flame, right? And the flame stays on, but if the match uh, goes out, you have to light it again to remind yourself how to open up that flame. And so we keep doing it until then the flame stays open. And, and stays that takes on. about three weeks of well, constant reminders? It depends, it depends. We could have one cycle of three weeks. Sometimes we need a few cycles of the 21 days and we take a little break in between a few days depending on the situation, how severe it is. Um, it might be a day, it might be three days, it might be seven days. Um, we have to see what the right kind of prescription would be. And does the visualization work for, like, say, brain fog, which is another typical uh, midlife yeah. situation? Yes, because part of what brain fog is, part of it is, is uh, chemically in us what's happening hormonally when we go through menopause. And we have to work hard not to fall into that trap because it's, ter it's terribly uncomfortable, right? None of us like that feeling. We want to, we want to, be active. We want to do, we want to be involved in life, not just be sort of like, what happened to me? I don't understand what happened. Why am I like this? And so with the imagery work, we can learn to become much more focused. And there are different tools that I teach people, not just imagery, but other kinds of tools. Um, there are about seven different tools that I teach where you can um, learn how to stop and get more focused. And it's, it's, I mean, I think it's an absolute necessity to be able to combat that brain fog because it can be so painful for us emotionally and also it affects our lives in terrible ways. And so we can begin to come back. We can begin to come back. So can you share one of those? Uh, sure. Okay. So one way that we can do it, this is, um, this is very simple and very important. So we have to understand the difference between fear and anxiety. So what's the difference? Take a stab. Fear and anxiety. Anxiety is the worry of the future. And fear mm -hmm. is something a little bit more real. Like Excellent. The now. Excellent. I'll just expand on what you're saying. The difference between fear and anxiety is anxiety is always about the future. It's always about the future. If this happens, then that happens. If I don't get this job, then I won't be able to pay my bills. If my child doesn't get into that school, that, to that preschool, then I'll never go to college. It's always an if-then type of statement, which means that it's an illusion. It's not real. The possibilities are endless. Anything can happen in the future. We don't know what the possibilities are. It could be anything. 
fear is only in the state of a true emergency when my life is at stake in this moment in time. Not even in a moment from now, but just in this moment in time, if my life is truly at stake. There's a famous story I heard from uh, Albert, Albert Ellis, psychologist, uh, who's the father of, uh, of uh, cognitive therapy. He used to live in Manhattan, and I would go to his lectures. And he once told a story, and he was the father of paradoxical thinking. So he once told this story how he went into the parking lot in his building in Manhattan, and he was an older man at the time. I mean, I think he was for sure over 70, maybe he was 80, I don't remember. And he, a guy comes over to him with a gun to mug him. So the guy, yeah. And you'd think, okay, well, this is a true emergency. But because he was so knowledgeable about paradoxical thinking, he understood that he still had time. That actually he still had time. So he wasn't fearful. And so the guy is standing at him like this. And he says to the guy, what time is it? So he goes like this. And in that moment, the mugger lost his steam oh. and ran away. So I tell you this story to give you an example of how many times we might think this, oh, well, this is a true emergency. This isn't what Jackie meant. This is a true emergency. And it truly isn't. So we can get uh, tricked by our inner selves that tell us, tries to tell us that it's a true emergency when it isn't. Okay, so we have to be very, very clear and be truthful with ourselves. We have to be truthful first with ourselves. I'm not even talking about being honest with anybody else. And being truthful with myself is being very clear to myself. Am I being, am I now in a state of emergency? In which case, my intuition and my, my gut, gut will take over and tell me, fight, flight, or freeze, you know, pull out my bow and arrow that I always have with me and shoot and it will tell me exactly what to do so I don't have to worry but if my system is always in overdrive thinking that it's an emergency state when I'm really just sitting in my living room I'm worried about something that's going to happen maybe I'm worried about something that's really upsetting maybe somebody's ill in my family and I'm really really worried about it I'm not saying there aren't things to be upset about in life of course there are things that we're upset about and that we are worried about but we need to be clear within ourselves and honest. Is this a true emergency? Because if it's a true emergency, my body is going to gear up. My adrenaline is going to go skyrocket, right? I'm going to be have all that energy to pick up the car off my child, God forbid, right? I'm going to need all of that. But if it's not a, a truly fearful situation, then where does all that energy go? Where do all those changes go? All that cellular, cellular activity that happened, all that toxicity that happened, if I have to use it, it's going to be released from my body. But if not, it's going to be stuck in my body and it's going to be mucking me up and make me have brain fog and other kinds of things. So I have to be very, very clear if I'm sitting in my living room and I'm worried about something that it's a worry and not a fear. So how do I do that? First, I just have to notice that it's happening. So one way, everybody in this room here, everybody has something that happens to them physically that um, that they understand happens when they feel anxious. So you might have a stomach ache, you might get a headache, you might feel heart palpitations, you might feel tension in your shoulders and your neck, you might feel um, your breath, uh, you know, um, getting tighter. Everybody has something. 
So as soon as you notice what that is, you just breathe out slowly. Go ahead, breathe out slowly. And you ask yourself, is this a true emergency? Or you ask yourself, am I really gonna die right now? And the answer is yes or no. So nod your head yes. And then just notice how that feels. If I'm sitting here, we're on a talk now, but if I'm sitting here and I say, yes, this is a true emergency, I'm gonna feel something in my body. I'm gonna feel discomfort. And if I breathe out and I ask myself the question and I say, is this a true emergency? But then I tell the truth and I say, no, it's not a true emergency. I'm gonna calm down and my breath is gonna get calmer or my heart palpitations are gonna go down and I'm gonna feel calm. And what I've done in that little moment, I, I, I made up a word for it, it's called a milli moment. So don't, don't use that in public, okay. that's not a real word. But, but in that milli moment, I found that space of freedom where I can determine for myself, is this a true emergency, yes or no? And if not, I can breathe out again and I can slow down my whole system and I can calm down. And if I calm down, then I can start to think clearly. Because we all know that when we get panicky and anxious or depressed, we're not thinking clearly. And so if I can calm my body, then my left brain opens up again, my logical side open up, opens up again, my verbal side opens up again, and I be can begin to think clearly. And I can be like, okay, like, this is something very upsetting. This is very distressing to me. That's honest, too. I'm not dismissing it and saying it's not a problem. This is upsetting for me, but it's not a true emergency. And my body, my mind, my soul are all going to react in a completely different way when I'm saying the truth, which is my life's not at stake. Now I can lower the volume on all that worry, and I can start from a different, clear place. And that's really what this work is all about, is coming to clarity, coming to strength, coming to my light, coming to my intuition. And I have to do it by starting with being honest about what's really happening here and where do I go from there. So the honesty is an important piece. Honesty is an important piece. And remember, what is truth in Hebrew? Truth is emet, right? What happens if you take away God or truth? What happens if you take away the Allah? You've met. You have met. We have to live in life. And we need to do that by starting with the truth. And some people have a hard time with admitting the truth or wanting to see the truth. And that's, yes. part, and that's what's getting them stuck. And that's a big part of what gets them stuck. There's a lot of worry. And see, I don't use the word fear. There's a lot of worry about looking at the truth. We're worried about, well, what happens if I, re first of all, I might be so used to not looking at the truth that I've even forgotten how, and I need to light that match so okay. I can be reminded, how do I even do that? I don't even know how to do it. Or I'm just afraid to look and worried to look at the truth because it might mean that I have to separate from my husband, or it might mean I have to do smaller changes that I just don't want to make, Right. And so these things are scary for us because they're new and different. And so it takes some support and hand-holding and a reminder that there's a strength inside that I can do whatever I need to do. But I can only look at a little bit at a time, and that's okay. 
because that's real and human to be able to look at what I can do today is what I can do today. And that's very, very human. And that's okay. And that's truthful too. I would also imagine that it's oh, maybe too much to do at one time also. It just feels so overwhelming. So just one peck, peck away one thing at a time. That's right. You know, every day is a series of now moments. It's now, now, and it's now, now, it's a now, now. And all I need to do is be in this moment right now, just right now. And that's good enough. And if I can do another now moment and be in this moment now, okay, good. That's good enough. I take each moment at a, at a time. And if I try to make it really big, it's complete, like you said, Tavara, it's completely overwhelming. And I can't, and then I'm just paralyzed. So there's no sense in trying to do everything at once. And of course we can't multitask. Yeah, that always makes things get slower and we get off track anyway. We have to just be in this moment and that's enough. If I've done one task, that's enough. If I've been with myself in the truth for one moment, I've, I've done a whole new thing. It's like if I'm on a highway, I'm driving on the highway and I'm driving to, I don't know, Sawgrass Mall right? And I'm driving and as far as 45 minutes, an hour away. And that's the only place I can think of. But maybe that's not where I need to go. Maybe I need to get off the highway first and make a stop. Maybe I need to go and walk on the beach for 20 minutes and show myself that there's another pathway. And so what this work allows us when we go inside and we're just in truth, even for a moment, it means that we've gotten off, we've taken a little bit of time at the beach We've quieted ourselves and we've let ourselves know, oh, wow, there is another possibility. There is another way. I can do it in a different way. And so this gives us a sense of profound relief and strength to know that I'm not stuck, but I can get off the highway at any point and as many times or a few times as I want. And I can get a break from this path, this narrow thinking that I have, this anxiety, this one way of this is the only way, but if I can get off the exit for a little bit and have a breath of relief, then suddenly I have opportunity and I can have optimism and hope and joy. And my life is completely changed because I changed just for a moment. I can see something new. So what I'm getting a sense is that it just clears off some of the, this is how it has to be. And so that other possibilities can show up. Yes, that's exactly right. So the way we do it is through imagery, but the end result is that we're clearer and our minds are more open and our hearts are more open to allowing whatever is supposed to happen for us rather than just being so anxious that it has to be this way. That's right. And you bring up the heart and that's essential is we have so much pain in our hearts, so much hurt, and we can begin to clear away that pain so it's not so heavy, so the heart isn't so heavy. And I, do, and I do this work with individuals and I do this work with groups and workshops all over the world. And it's, it's also very powerful in, in groups and in women's groups. Um, I have a group, it's called Beyond 40, Rediscover Yourself. And it's a beautiful place because we connect to each other through the heart, through the mind, through the soul. By seeing each other's imageries, we understand that imagery is a universal language, that we all understand it, that it's part of all of us. Um, and so it's, uh, it's something that, that gives us tremendous hope and possibility. I love that, 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 that hope, just that 
there's so much and we can actually actualize it when we're not so tight and and so so I like your imagery in the beginning, I'm, for those who are listening, we're just opening our hands so that you could actually, opening the tight fist so that you could actually have right. more space for things That's to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yes. It's so powerful. And it sounds like it's hard and, and easy at the same time. Like it's hard to go in, but it's easy mm -hmm. to do with a guide. Right. My mentor used to say, you're working hardly. You're working hardly. You're working like hardly, that. right? It's profoundly simple. They both right. happen. So this is a, this is just like a, a teaser to what a, what we could do with visualization, yeah. and maybe one day we can go into it more deeply. But the mm -hmm. power of it it sounds like fascinating to actually explore further. Yeah, it's really really powerful. All right. So how can people reach you? Um, I have a website. It's www.jackieshift.com. Um, that's the easiest way. You can find my phone number. My email is um, drjackie18 at gmail, D-R-J-A-C-K-I-E 18 at gmail.com. Uh, those are the easiest ways. Yeah. I'll keep that in the show notes also. So thank you so much. This is very enlightening. Yeah. I'm Good. fascinated. And now we just have to actually actualize it because it would be so cool to, like you said, to experience it. So we'll be in touch. Great. Great. This was really fun, Rara. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining me in another fascinating conversation about midlife. If you'd like to reach me, Devara Krasniansky, to talk about your midlife or anything else, you can reach me at jewishmidlife at gmail.com and follow us at Jewish Midlife on Instagram and Facebook. And join us in our conversations in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Jewish women talk about midlife.